Hello, Mike Lombardo here. I wanted to take a moment and invite you to Awaken Dallas. My wife and I planted a church in the central northern Dallas area at the beginning of this year. We launched out on Resurrection Sunday. I wanted to invite you. We meet Sundays at 4 p.m., and our vision is to know Jesus deeply and to live for him passionately. First, we must know him, and that will empower great exploits. Our mission is to ignite a movement of spirit-filled disciples, disciples that students of the King, that we would burn with first love passion and that we'd be equipped to spread the gospel to the world around us in love and power. Our four pillars are the presence of God, number one. That is everything to us. We prioritize his presence. We love him. We want to know him. We want to carry him to the world around us. It's his presence that distinguishes us from the nations of the world. Number two, that we would be equipped, that we need to be equipped for the work of service, for our callings. This is very important. The foundation of the word of God, of spiritual fathers and mothers, to be able to be sharpened by the word, healed by the word of God. So we need to be equipped for our callings. Number three, we are a church on mission together. We all have a sphere to influence. We all have a calling and a people group to influence for the gospel, to be a light, a city set on a hill. And as a church, we are fulfilling the great commission. And number four, we are a spiritual family. We all need a community. We all need to spur one another on towards good works and to meet together, to not neglect that, to have a spiritual community and family. And so if you want to come join us, it's Sundays at 4 p.m. We'd love to have you. You could also go to www.awakendallas.com, which will be in the description section. Hello, hello, Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you are new to the show, we have an episode streaming every Monday on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You can also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, um, Audible, anywhere podcasts are listened to. Also go to youtube.com. Look up Michael Lombardo, look up Awaken Podcast in the description section below. Um, we actually have all of the links there for you to tap in. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the channel. That that way you'll get notifications and everything. Make sure the bell icon is on. Like, comment, so we can get this out to more people so they could be blessed, strengthened, and awakened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it is my honor to be able to continue to break open the word of God um, here on Awaken Podcast. I'm excited about the days ahead. I'm excited about the incredible guests that the Lord is bringing in. We're dreaming. We're getting more vision about the days ahead and kind of how to grow here at Awaken Podcast. And so, um, I'm excited to hit the 250 mark with episodes too. That's right around the corner. And so, um, anyways, beautiful stuff has taken place. And so thank you for being devoted. Thank you for listening to episode after episode, sharing this with friends and family, really helping get this out. And so I am going to go into part three of the book of Acts. And so I'm just going to pull a truth that is absolutely vital in this time and this hour when it comes to church, when it comes to, you know, the first church, when we're going into the book of Acts, we're looking at the first church. We're looking at their example. What did they do? What did they engage in? What was their focus? What was their message? What were they preaching? And so, um, yeah, so today we're going to be going into what is the church? We're going to talk about the family of God a little bit here today. All right, so what is the church? The word church in the New Testament in Greek is ekklesia. That means the called out ones. 
What were we called out from? We were called out from the world. We were called out from darkness into his marvelous light. We were called out of sin into righteousness and freedom. We're no longer slaves to sin, but now we're slaves of righteousness. What were we? We were under the wrath of God. We were we were trapped. We were lost. We had blinders on our eyes, but we were called out of that. He broke those things off us and released us into glorious light and glorious freedom. That is his church. We are the redeemed. We are the blessed. We are those that he delights in and smiles over. We are those that he empowers by his grace and by his spirit into the world. We're called out of the world into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And in the Hebrew, the word for God's people is kahal. And I might be saying that wrong, but it comes from the root word to summon, to assemble, and congregation. And so God's people, the church, is the assembling together, those who are summoned by God to assemble and to congregate in his presence, to hear his words, to be empowered by him, to go into the world in his grace, in his might, in his love, with this good news. And so we are the called out ones in order to listen and act for God. We are the called out company and the assembled together people of God. This is the church. The church is also the family of God. Once we were baptized into Christ, we were united with not only the, the, the body of Christ locally in our area, but we were also united with the worldwide community of the saints. We've become a member of the household of God. You can't get away from that. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't love God's people. Repent. That's not how God created you. That is unnatural. That's not normal. You were created to thrive within family. You were adopted. You know, Jesus said, you guys are of your father, the devil. The devil doesn't create anybody, okay? But they were essentially living in the house of the enemy, following his rules and manifesting his culture. But when you get saved, you're pulled out of that of that wretchedness, out of that orphan lifestyle and mentality, and you are pu- you are pulled into adoption as sons of God. We we are now adopted into this beautiful relationship of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we're in a right relationship with God and can experience the beauty of our Father, the Son of God, and the power of the Spirit. But also, we are adopted into the family of God. We have a beautiful family in the church, whether you've been hurt in the church or not. Listen. There's a, there's a community of saints that, that, is, that is perfect for you, that you could participate in that community of saints and they could participate and pour into your life. We're all going to hurt each other. You know, it happens. This is relationships. It's messy sometimes. But you were created for family. The church is a family of God. Number two, the church is the bride of Christ. We don't trash talk the church because we're trash talking Jesus's bride. We don't talk bad about the church. If someone said negative things to me about my wife, I would not stand for it. If someone tried to attack my wife, I would not stand for it. Jesus is jealous for his bride. We are his lovers. We are those who have said yes to him. He said, will you marry me when he hung on that tree? And we said yes. And now we live as his bride in the earth. And he's coming back for a spotless and radiant bride, and there is going to be a wedding feast. There's a glorious day for us to look to. Not only that, the church is the army of God, the army of God. We are those who are equipped to bring the gospel and the good news into the world around us and the power of the Spirit to destroy destroy the works of Satan. So we're first his family, 
We're also his bride. But then from there, we are equipped as an army to go into the world with the gifts he's given us, with the gospel that has been handed down to us from the apostles and the prophets, from the Lord Jesus himself. And that is powerful. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And so he continually leads us in victory. But I'm going to read a scripture. This is Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And it goes into the four marks of the first church. Many theologians would call this the four marks of the first church. And so I'm going to read verse 42. And this is Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed together had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. I love that. That is the core of the gospel. This is a picture of the first church and how the first church grew, why there was so much favor on the body of Christ Um, in the book of Acts. Also the persecution that came because of the favor that was on them, because of the glory that was manifesting in their midst. And so you have the four markers of the first church. One, the apostles' teaching. We need to love the word of God. We need to devour the word of God. We have the epistles of Paul. We have the gospels of Jesus Christ written by the apostles. We have all these epistles of Paul. We have the epistles of Peter. We have Jude. We have all of his letters to his spiritual sons, Paul's letters to his spiritual sons. We have we have the book of Revelation by the apostle John, and we have the, the epistles of John, and we have the book of James, and, and we have the Old Testament written by the prophets of old, and Christ is the sacred text. All of the Old Testament speaks of Christ Jesus. We have the word of God, and we have this revelation. We need to abide in these truths. We need to not only love the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the power of God. Yes, we need to crave and hunger for His presence and to abide with Him, but we also need to abide in the apostles' teaching. We need a revival of the Word of God. We need to have our hunger for God revived on the inside of our hearts so that we can devour the scriptures. We can understand the heart of God, understand who he is, understand what he's done, understand who we are in Christ, and also this beautiful responsibility we have to bring the good news to the world. And that's going to happen as we abide in the apostles' teaching. So if you're not reading the word, read the word. If you're distracted every single morning, I know, I get it. The enemy does not want us to dive into the word and to love the word, but we do not live off bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of our God. And he spoke to us through the sacred text, through the Holy Scriptures. He spoke to us through his Bible, through the word. And so everything, all the scriptures are are inspired of God, spirit-breathed and inspired for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for encouragement and edification. And so... Yes, the apostles' teaching, number one. Number two, fellowship. The enemy wants you to isolate. The enemy wants you to just hide out in a prayer closet and not make friends, okay? Like I said earlier, we can't love Jesus and hate his bride or hate his people or not want to congregate with his people because we're going to miss out on some things that God wants to do in us and through us and things that God wants to give to us in terms of prophetic words and encouragement and relationships and hope and things that add value to our lives. There are certain things that God has reserved to pour out in our lives only through people. 
That's key. That's key. And so we need fellowship. And listen, bad company corrupts good morals. And so if we don't have friends in the church, those who are burning, those who love the Lord, those who are dedicated to following the way, the way of Jesus Christ, then we're going to have friends that are compromised. We're going to have friends that are in the world and of the world. And if that's the case, then our good morals are going to be corrupted by spending time with those who do not have the values of Jesus. I've seen it over and over and over again. Those who are called of God, those who were once passionate and burning for the Lord, that were preaching the gospel, ministering to the Lord, vibrant in faith, begin to diminish in their first love, begin to uh, just compromise areas of their life and have their their consciences seared. Um, they, they're not as sensitive. They don't crave the things of God anymore. They're craving the things of the world. And it's because of bad company. And the word of God warns us of that. So we need to be in the apostles' teaching because the apostle Paul quoted the, the book of Proverbs that says that bad company corrupts good morals. Number three, the breaking of bread. I'm not going to go too deep into this right now, but the first church valued communion. At Awaken Dallas, every single Sunday, we're getting into communion. Why is that? I believe that the first church didn't just do it once a month, didn't just do it a few times a year, but through communion, we are remembering the death of Christ. We're, we're declaring his resurrection when we take communion. And it's not only for remembrance. Communion is not just a symbol. It is a sacrament. And there is impartation on it. There is grace on it. So when we talk about his broken body and when we remember his shed of blood and we take communion, we eat of his, we drink of his blood, we eat of his flesh. He said, if you don't do that, you have no life in you. And as we take communion, the beautiful thing is we are receiving by faith the grace that was poured out through his finished work. So if he died for provision, we're taking that in. He died for us to be have the presence of God restored in our life. We're receiving that as an impartation of grace. Communion is spiritual. It's not just a wafer and it's not just juice. Communion is spiritual and it's a sacrament. And we receive of what he's accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection when we take communion. The first church knew that. They listened to his words when he said, do this regularly and do this in remembrance of me. They took those words seriously. So we need to have a communion revival. I've heard Lou Engel and other people talk about that. Communion needs to be at the center because when that's the case, Christ is at the center. Number three, prayers. Obviously, prayer is vital to our relationship with God. We've talked a lot about this in the podcast we were born to walk with the Lord in the cool of the day, to have an unceasing prayer life. We're communing with him internally. And they prayed and they released the power of God. They prayed and they and they and they interceded for those who are locked in prison and prison doors open. Prayer. They released the impartation of the Holy Spirit through prayer. I'll do a teaching on that here in the coming in the coming months. But Prayer was essentially was the core of everything that they did. They prayed for one another. They prayed together. They prayed privately. The apostles were devoted to the word and to prayer. And so prayer is just how we commune with the divine. Prayer is heaven on earth. We get the taste of heaven on earth in advance, partake of the age to come when we develop a prayer life. And so I'm going to read um, a quote from a theologian, N.T. Wright. And uh, it's a, he, he talks about Acts as a commentary in the book of Acts. And he says this, Luke is careful to point out the landmarks. In fact, Acts chapter 2, 42, 
is often regarded as laying down the four marks of the church, the apostles' teaching, the common life, life of those who believe, the breaking of bread and prayers. These four go together. You can't separate them or leave one out without damage to the whole thing. Where no attention is given to teaching and to constant lifelong Christian learning, people quickly revert to the worldview or mindset of the surrounding culture and end up with their minds shaped by whatever social pressures are most pers- uh, persuasive. And with Jesus somewhere around as a pale influence or memory that's happening in the world and the church uh, around right now, where people ignore the common life of the Christian family, the technical term used for fellowship, which is more than friendship and not less, they become isolated when we ignore family. And they often find it difficult to sustain a living faith. Very true. Where people no longer share regularly in the breaking of bread, they are failing to raise the flag, which says Jesus' death and resurrection are the center of everything that we do. And whenever people do all of these things but neglect prayer, they quite simply forget that Christians are supposed to be heaven and earth people. Prayer makes no sense whatsoever unless heaven and earth are designed to be joined together and we could share in that reality right now already. When we partake of the age to come, when we enjoy the scriptures, when we're in the scriptures, when we're in fellowship with the saints, when we take communion, we praise God, praying, giving thanks with glad hearts, we partake of the age to come. And I'm just, I think what I'll go into, I'll, I'll, Psalm 133, let me go into that because I've got a long teaching. What I'm doing here, I taught this at Awaken Dallas and I've got a long teaching here. And so I'm just deciding what I should share with you guys. But Psalm 133 goes like this. How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down the head and the beard, flowing down from Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. And that's where God commands the blessing and ordains eternal life. That is the message Bible. And so... (laughs) when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, when we dwell together in unity, there's a fresh, beautiful anointing that is in our midst of the presence of God flowing into our lives. That's where God commands the blessing, eternal life, when we're growing in fellowship with one another. And so community and family, it isn't easy. There's much work to be done in relationships, you know, in general, but they are worth fighting for. Some of the most cherished moments in my life have taken place through relationship. You know, the enemy attacks relationships because he knows that through relationship, we, we, we extend the kingdom of heaven. Through relationship, we show the world what it's like to be Christ-like. You know, the world will know that we're disciples because of the love that we have for one another. And so, yeah, community and family, it isn't easy, man. There's a lot of sibling rivalries out there. We see that in the Bible. You see that with Cain and Abel in the beginning. You see that with Joseph and his brothers. You see that with David and his children. You even see that amongst the disciples that travel together, arguing about who was first. See, there's always these little quarrels and squabbles and things that we need to get over and things we need to work through and we need to forgive and all the things that Jesus told us to do. But it is worth it. We're reflecting and representing God when we work through these things. And then also it is a blessing to our lives and we get to bless others and the kingdom works at the pace and the speed of relationships. So many things in my life, influence and and moments and blessings, finances, and so many things have taken place in my life through relationships that I've stewarded. And some of these relationships have had to work through issues in these relationships, but they reap blessings for our lives and we get to bless others, be a conduit of his blessing. 
The enemy he loves to sow offenses. He loves to bring division. It's one thing that God hates, the scripture says in the book of Proverbs, that God hates those who sow dissension. And that is the enemy. He sows dissension. He he sows strife. He whispers in our ears that people don't have the right intentions or why do they say it that way? And how come they didn't invite you to that? And all these different things. Let's just get these things in the light. Let's forgive. Let's bless. Let's believe that people have good intentions. And if God puts on your heart to speak to that person and bring it to the light and share with them your feelings, do that. Let us be united. The Bible says, and the apostle Paul says, to the best of your ability, be at peace with all people. That's a reality, y'all. We need one another. We need to recognize Christ in one another. We can come up with lots of excuses, justifications, and and give in to lack of motivation to join a church or to gather a fellow gather in fellowship. But please don't, guys. Please. I'm not just, if you're in Dallas, great. You can come join us at Awaken Dallas. You can just plug into wherever God's called you. And if you're around the world, find a local church. There's no perfect church out there. There's not a perfect church. There's never going to be a perfect church where people never sin or people never offend or you know, we're bringing our stuff into the church, okay? And people are going to have to forgive us. And and we've got limited thought processes and ways of hurting people. And and so if we're bringing our junk into church, other people are going to bring their junk into church. And we need to recognize that we're all in process and we're all on a beautiful journey of manifesting more of Christ in our lives, becoming more Christ-like in the way we live life. Oh, man. So praise God. And there is hurt people in the church. There are sinful people in the church. There are immature people in the church, but we do serve a perfect Savior and we're all growing. Hurt people hurt people, but whole people release wholeness in people's lives. So we need to be gracious with one another. We need to realize these things. So I'm going to end with that, but I'm going to pray for you. If you don't have a home church, find a home church. All right. Do not isolate yourself. The enemy wants you to isolate yourself. It will take a toll on your faith. And if you're going to be vibrant in faith or if you're going to be dull in faith, it does take a toll. And God did not purpose you to be on your own. Just you and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. No, 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 no. It's you, Jesus, and his church. You're a part of the church. When you were baptized in Christ, you were baptized into the worldwide body of Christ, a community of saints. And so, Lord, I just thank you right now for pouring out your Holy Spirit and bringing wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and that you would bring correction to areas of our heart that need it, that you would bring revelation in areas where there's deception or lack of knowledge and that we would see the beauty of the church and all of its flaws, that we are on a journey of becoming more and more radiant every day, a spotless bride. When you look at the church, you see your beautiful bride, your beloved, and change our lenses about the church, change our thoughts about the church and the state of the church. And, and let us just see these imperfections and want to be a part of the change and want to be a part of the difference to minister to those who are in the body. God, just bring revelation, bring understanding. May we see with your eyes, may we feel with your heart in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. Amen. May the love of God, may the grace of Christ, and may the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And so make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed, strengthened, and awakened by the gospel of Jesus. I'll see you next time on Awakened Podcast. (laughs) 
Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.com org life port out intl.org or you can go to destinyimage.com the audiobook is available as well on amazon.com as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com and so bless you guys grab a copy of immersed in his glory thank you